<laughs> well, good morning to all of you watching out there. Good morning to all those of you who've gathered together here. Glad that you're here today. Uh, it's good to actually have some folks in the room besides, besides just us. Um, so uh, we like to begin our services with this greeting that Christians have been using pretty much forever. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Thank you. Uh, man, it's nice to have people in the room again. All right. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. God, we are grateful to you for these songs and the traditions they come out of, and that today we can join our voices uh, to the voices of so many who have used these songs to cry out to you and to um, state their faith in you, uh, like we were just now in that last song, that uh, we shall not be moved. You have planted us, God, just like that tree planted by streams of water. You nourish us, you strengthen us, and when the times get difficult, uh, when, the, when the drought comes, when the heat comes, this, this tree doesn't wither. Uh, we don't dry up because you continue to nourish us with your presence, with your love, with your grace. Thank you, God. Thank you that today, right now, whatever our circumstances, you are with us. And you know, God, that we're all kind of uh, in different places right now. Some of us are, uh, are fed up with uh, being stuck at home and we're just itching to get out and to, to be around other people. And uh, the, the solitude has been stifling for us. God, others of us, I mean, we've been essential workers this whole time and have been out and around people and, and would long for some solitude, would long to, to get away from all the people. And God, you know uh, that many of our black brothers and sisters right now are continuing to live with frustration, with fear, uh, with anxiety, uh, with anger, because of the ways that they have been treated here in our society, the ways that they've been treated by, by some of us, God. We thank you that you are able um, to be gracious, that you are able to step in, you are able to, to strengthen you are able to, to nourish. You are able to give us the strength that we need to endure. And God, you are able to, uh, to lead us uh, to, a, to a better place, to a better way to live together. God, we're confident you're going to lead us through this, uh, this whole virus thing. You're going to continue to guide the researchers and the medical professionals and those who are, uh, who are leading us at the state level and the national level. And, uh, well, God, we pray that you'll continue to lead them. And that they'll be responsive to your leadership. And God, we, we know that you'll lead us through uh, the racial tensions that we live with right now, the, the racism that underlies so many of our interactions. God, for all of us, we pray that, that you would help us to take a, a close look at ourselves. That you'd help us to see those things that are um, deep in our hearts, deep in our minds, just the ways of thinking that we grew up with or that, that were ingrained in us that we haven't chosen, but it's, it's part of how we think. It's part of how we move through the world. God, we need your help. We need your grace to transform us into a people who can truly love our neighbors as ourselves. The people who can come alongside the hurting, can stand up for them, can stand in solidarity. God, we need your help to do this because it is not easy. But we're trusting in you that you are the God who can forgive our sins. You are the God who can cleanse our hearts. 
You are the God who can transform our minds. You are the God who loves us, who never gives up on us, and who strengthens us every step of the way. Thank you, God, for inviting us together today. Thank you for your presence here. Thank you for your presence with each and every one of us, wherever we might be, as we're participating in this service. We are so grateful. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you. And also with you. Thank you. Now, normally we would take, you know, a little time to greet each other, but since we can't wander around the room today, uh, those of you who are here can just, like, you know, turn to somebody and give them a quick wave and maybe shout a hello or something, you know, somebody that you hadn't get, didn't get a chance to see it. They sneaked in while you were, while you, after you arrived. Um, Thank you so much, guys, for, uh, for serving us musically today. We are so grateful for your willingness to, uh, to be here again. Um, you guys know we've been blessed with musical talent here in this church. We've got, uh, normally, we've got like four different teams of volunteers that rotate through and, uh, and serve us on Sunday mornings. And uh, some of them have been sick. Some of them have been traveling. Some of them have just been unable to participate. And, and Scott and his family have been uh, like, like rocks for us, like solid, like, you know, dependable. And we thank you. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, oh yeah, platform, that's awesome. <laughs> so glad. Uh, so um, I mentioned uh, last week, I don't think, I don't know if we got it into the little thing at the beginning uh, that, that played before the service, but we are going to celebrate communion at the end of the service today. And so all of you who are participating from home, uh, if you have not already had a chance, if you'd like to celebrate communion together uh, at the end of the service, then uh, you might want to take a minute to Grab some, uh, some bread, some juice, some elements, whatever you have available. And um, I'm thinking back to when I was in college and, and like youth group before that where uh, there were youth pastors who would, you know, grab the Doritos and the Pepsi just to like, well, we got to have something, you know. And uh, they didn't plan for it. And so like, oop, they got caught off guard. And, and so if that's you today, if you would like to celebrate communion with us, uh, we'll be doing that at the end of this service. And, um, and if I seem very far away to you, I know the last few weeks I've just been walking to like the middle of the room to get closer to you. I didn't feel like I could do that because I'd be like half of you would be behind me. Um, we do, uh, we are ordering some more uh, equipment, some, another camera and those sorts of things so that we can have like, you know, the, the shot of the whole stage and then the shot that gets close and all that fancy stuff that, uh, oh man, it's been a learning curve trying to figure out how to plug all those things in and make all those work together. But um, but it's been good. And actually, there was a grant, uh, just to let you all know, uh, there was a grant that was offered to Indiana congregations uh, up to $5,000 for buying technology to help with live streaming and all of that. And we applied and we got it. So that's going to help buy a, a new computer and some new cameras and the cables and all that stuff. So, um, and some of you have, have been giving as well um, uh, to, to help upgrade some of our technology stuff. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, you can continue to give. Obviously, we've all been giving online or mailing checks in or whatever. You can keep doing that. Uh, I guess those of you who are here, you can drop it in the box if you'd like. We did not hand out bulletins or welcome cards. So if you want to check in with us or let us know, we can pray for you. Uh, I guess there are a couple of them back there. You can grab one and write on it if you want. Uh, or you can grab your phone and do the digital version uh, that we've been doing the, the last few uh, weeks, whatever. Uh, for the, yeah, the last few months. Man, it's been a long time. Uh, that we have been uh, doing this. And we recognize that for some people, it's going to be quite a, quite a bit longer. Um, sev several of you filled out that survey and let us know when you would be uh, coming back to the church. And, uh, and we know from some of you, it's like, well, maybe July, maybe August, maybe September. I mean, it really just kind of depends. Uh, some of you just said, look, we're just kind of watching to see how this thing progresses because you got health issues. you got situations that you're like, I cannot be you know, exposed to this stuff. 
And, um, and as careful as we're trying to be right now, you know, there's still the possibility that uh, you end up talking to somebody and, you know, then you, all that stuff that we're not supposed to do, you know, you rub your eye and whatever and, and you give yourself this thing. So, ugh, man, I'm looking forward to a year from now when I hope, hope this will all be so far behind us we won't even have to think about it. Um, all right. Anybody else looking forward to that? Not having to think about coronaviruses or anything? Yeah. You all love it? Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. You are looking forward to that. Okay, good. Good. Well, today we are, um, I'm trying to think if there's some other announcement I'm supposed to make. Oh, you know what I will say real quick. Um, we're kind of playing this by ear to see how it goes as far as services. You know, the, today we just have this 9 o'clock service, uh, which obviously is happening live here and then is streaming out to YouTube and Facebook and church online, and, and, um, and then people can watch it, you know, later. Uh, we're, if we need to, we'll add that 1030 service. Now, looking around the room right now, I think... You know, we could probably go another week before we have to add a second service. We can, we can continue to uh, have people wander in uh, and then maybe on the 21st or something. Unless I hear from a whole lot of you folks that like, well, I didn't come today because I didn't want to crowd you, but I'm going to be there next week. We're, we're, we're playing it by ear. We'll see. So depending on the responses that I hear this week, um, if we need to add a 1030 service next week, we will. Um, I'm just curious, the, those of you in the room, uh, if next week we add a 10.30 service, how many of you would be here at 10.30 instead of at 9? Is it just you guys? All right. Oh, no, there's, okay, there's, there's, there's a few of you. All right. Uh, I thought for a second Paul and Bonnie would be the only ones here. But, um, no, so we'll, we'll see if we need to. I was surprised when I saw, man, six feet's a long way. Uh, now, you, you don't need them, but uh, some of you asked me about the pool noodles in the back, and uh, those are four feet long, and I thought, I have a hard time judging six feet. I mean, I had a hard time when I was coming in here. I'd had the tape measure out and all of that. And those pool noodles were four feet long. And I thought, well, you know, if you can hit somebody with one of those, you know, add a couple of feet for your arm, they might be a little too close, you know. So if you end up hanging out a little bit after the service and you're talking to somebody and you feel like they're getting too close, just grab one of those pool noodles. Just you know, push them back a little bit. You're like, hey, scoot back a little, you know. It's okay. You don't need to be right on top of me. Um, anyway, we are, uh, we're continuing, actually concluding this little three-part series that we've been in uh, about uh, who we are as a church, uh, not just here at Living Hope, but as part of the broader uh, group called the Church of the Nazarene that's uh, a couple million people around the world, actually like two and a half million now, I think. Um, I haven't looked it up in a while. Um, but uh, if you go to Nazarene.org, if you go to the website and you try to learn more about this, this denomination, this group that we're affiliated with, uh, you'll see all sorts of things about like our mission. And one thing you'll find is these three core values is how they describe them there. That we are a Christian people, we're a holiness people, we're a missional people. Um, this is just a way of saying that like, okay, well, last week, we, two weeks ago, sorry, we talked about how we're not, it's not enough just to believe in God, right? We're not just people who like kind of generally believe in God. And, and uh, without a denominational name on our sign, I know a lot of people have, have thought like, oh, you guys just like a kind of a generic church, like you just kind of believe in God in general or something. Like, no, no, we're a Christian church and we're part of the church of the Nazarene. We believe in Jesus. We're trusting and following him. As a Christian people, Jesus is the center for us. He's the one that we believe, we, we listen to about who God is and what kind of God it is that created us and that, that loves us. Jesus is the one that tells us that God loves us and has demonstrated that by giving his life for us. Uh, and so Jesus is the one that we follow. As Jesus, uh, you know, walked this earth, he approached people and said, hey, follow me. He called them to be his disciples, which today we'd call them an apprentice. You know, someone who's learning from a, a master technician how to do the work, um, how to approach a problem how to solve that problem, how to do life is what Jesus was trying to teach us. And so we are apprentices uh, to Jesus. We look to his life, we look to his teachings for how we as human beings are to live. And then last week we talked about how we're a holiness people. And holiness is just, 
well, we did some fun videos from the Bible Project about that, about how this holy God uh, wants us to be holy, wants us to be pure, wants us to be set apart for him. He wants to cleanse our hearts and make it so that we can truly love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, truly love our neighbors as ourselves. And ultimately, holiness looks like Jesus. I mean, Jesus modeled for us what a holy life looks like. If you want to know what a human being, how a human being should live, you look at Jesus. You know, he is a human being who, who perfectly reflected the love and the grace of God to the people around him. And that's what God wants for us. He created us in his image. We looked at for a few weeks there uh, in Genesis. God created us to reflect his character, to reflect his love, to reflect his grace. It's like we're a mirror, right? And people look at us and they should see God reflected in us. And Jesus did that perfectly. His mirror was spotless, right? I mean, you could look at it and you just see, like, wow, that's, that's awesome. It's like one of those funhouse mirror mazes that you go in and you can't tell, is that a mirror? Is that a hallway? I can't tell. It's so clean, ideally. You can tell if, like, a kid has smashed their face into it trying to run through it. And they're like, oh, no, that's a mirror. I can see the face mark. Um, and for us, sin has tarnished those mirrors, has stained them, right? And so we don't reflect God's image perfectly. And God comes in by his Holy Spirit and cleanses our hearts, cleanses our lives, purifies us by his, by his power and uh, by his grace so that we can once again reflect God well to the people around us, reflect his love and his grace. And that's what Jesus looks like. So today as we talk about being a missional people, that's a weird word, isn't it? Missional? That's not a word. I think that's a made-up church word. Um, but uh, it just means that we're like, that we are on a mission, that, that we're on a mission from God, to use the Blues Brothers uh, you know, movie for a second, um, you know, they were confident that they could do what they were set out to do. What did they have to do, raise money for an orphanage or something? Is that what it was? I haven't watched it in a while. I'm looking at you because I know you had the Blues Mobile for so long. And, um, um, you know, they, they were confident. Like, we're on a mission from God. We're going to do this thing. And that's how we ought to be living. We're confident that we can do the work that God has sent us into the world to do because we're on a mission from God. We're not, not created just to kind of sit back and live and just kind of do whatever we want. No, God has work for us to do. Because again, if, we're going to look, if our lives are going to look like Jesus, if we're, going to, if we're going to apprentice ourselves to him, if we're going to reflect um, a holy God and his love and his grace, God is a missional God. God is a God on mission. From the beginnings of the Bible, uh, God was on a mission um, to have a relationship with us. And when we screwed that up, God continued to come to us, right? Genesis chapter 3, after we'd eaten the, the rotten fruit, God still comes to Adam and Eve and, and invites them, you know, with questions to confess, to come back to relationship. And, and as he has to explain to them the consequences of their actions and the, the suffering that it's going to entail, even then he's, he's looking to a future where he's saying, look, I'm going to be working to, to defeat this serpent who's deceived you. And one day there will be a descendant of Eve who crushes that serpent's head even though he is struck at the same time, we see Jesus as the one who has done that, who defeated the devil once and for all, even though he was struck in the process, even though it meant his, his death. We see it in Exodus. We were just singing about it earlier, about Moses being sent to, to Pharaoh. Um, that in Exodus chapter 3, actually I didn't have this typed out, so I wanted to read it to you. Exodus chapter 3, the whole burning bush episode, right? Moses was just featured in that uh, in that video last week from the Bible Project, approaching a holy God in the burning bush and being told, look, look, take off your sandals, you're, you're in holy ground. And he's kind of afraid a little bit. He's covering his face because he's face to face with the holy God. In that moment, uh, God is, is telling him, look, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians. 
and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the, the promised land, the land, of, the land of Canaan. God is a God who doesn't just stay put and shout things at passersby, you know, at us as we, as we go. God is a God who, who comes to Adam and Eve in the garden, who comes down to rescue, having heard the cries of the oppressed. And then what he says to Moses, uh, he says, um, now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. I'm in Exodus chapter 3, verse 9. And I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. This is what God does over and over again in the Bible. God responds. God goes to the hurting, and he sends us as his ambassadors, as his, as, as his people, as the body of Christ. Today is how we'd say it, right? The hands and feet of Christ, here to continue the work of Christ in the world. And that's what God does from the, from the beginning of the book and all the way through. One of the other uh, images... Um, used in that video last week about the holy God was Isaiah, where he has this vision of God. Remember in the temple? It's Isaiah chapter 6, the first eight verses. He has this vision of angelic beings in the temple surrounding God, singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And Isaiah says, it's all over. I'm doomed for I'm a sinful man. He's aware that he is in the presence of a holy God, and he is not holy. And then that seraphim, that weird six-winged angel, comes down with that burning coal from the altar and touches his lips and and says, look, now your, your sin is atoned for. Now you've, you've been cleansed. Now we talked about that last week in terms of like God making us holy. But then what happens right after that? Uh, in verse 8, Isaiah says, Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. This holy God... This God who comes to unholy people, comes to us in our, in our hurting, in our mess, he sends us. Uh, he sends us. We are sent. And Jesus said it pretty plainly in John chapter 20. Uh, he says, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And so we are sent just like Jesus was. And if we look at the life of Jesus, you know, we know that Jesus, he only went to people who were just like him, right? People that made him comfortable, people he liked hanging out with. People who were friendly to him, uh, right? Isn't that what Jesus did? No? No? Oh, he didn't? No, he didn't. That's right. Jesus went to the people who were so unlike him. Here he is perfectly reflecting God's love and grace, and he goes and, and hangs out with tax collectors and sinners, with prostitutes, with, with people who other people in society had said, no, 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 you don't hang out with them. What are you doing, Jesus? He got in trouble for eating and drinking with people that no one was supposed to eat and drink with for crossing the tracks and going and hanging out with those people. So whoever those people are in your life today, Jesus is probably inviting you, sending you, to join him in going across those tracks, to cross that boundary, to be his ambassador, to be his witness, to testify to his goodness, to his love. Jesus, again, God doesn't just stay distant, right? Uh, well, the most famous verse, verse in the Bible, John 3.16, I flubbed it the other day, a month or so ago, so I'm, I'm reading it this time. Um, this says, For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And then the next verse, I love including verse 17, God sent his Son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. So we have this, this God who who comes to us, who sends the Son to us. This is also Trinity Sunday. I don't know if you guys are aware of that. Some churches that uh, are a little more uh, 
traditional, liturgical, whatever. Uh, they have lots of kind of high holy days and all, all that. Uh, they're very aware. This is Trinity Sunday. You know, they walked in, they were handed something saying, Trinity Sunday, and the message is all about how God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that idea that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is all about God being this missional God. God being a God who doesn't stay distant, that's the Father up in heaven on his throne, but a God who comes to us sending his Son, you know, comes to us in the flesh. Again, doesn't just shout instructions to us from afar, from a cloud, from a mountaintop, but who comes right down to us. And solidarity is not a bad word to describe what Jesus does. He stands in solidarity with sinful humanity, with broken humanity, and he brings his healing, brings his love, um, brings his life to us. And so if we are sent as Jesus was sent, then we are going to go. We're going to get close to people. We're going to stand at, at least six feet away right now, I guess. I mean, still, the pool noodle and all that. But we are going to, you know, once this is over, we're going to you know, like hug them and everything else. But, um, but we're not going to keep our distance from people. We're not going to cut them out of our lives because they disagree with us politically, because they grew up in very different circumstances than we did, because they tell stories about uh, interactions with authority figures, and we think, well, that just can't be. They must not be telling the truth. They must be exaggerating. And, well, maybe we should open our ears and listen. Maybe we should get close enough to them to, to, to know them and to realize, no, they're telling the truth. This really is the way they are experiencing the world. It's just different than how I have experienced the world. If we're going to be sent into the world as Jesus was, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you, we're not going to keep our distance from folks. We're going to get close. We're going to listen. We're going to care. We're going to love. We're going to do it graciously. Now, as Jesus um, was leaving us, <laughs> uh, at the end of Matthew's gospel, we have Jesus saying uh, to his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus doesn't just send us. I mean, he goes with us. Uh, now, Jesus isn't physically present here walking, you know, walking in the door and walking around with us. When, when he sends us to talk to someone, Jesus doesn't like, you know, this Middle Eastern person from 2,000 years. He's well, about 2,000 years old now. He doesn't walk in, you know. He's with us by his Holy Spirit. Uh, again, Trinity Sunday. You know, the Father sends the Son so that the fullness of God can be present with us, close to us in our broken humanity. And then the Son ascends to the Father, and, uh, and they send the Holy Spirit. To come and to live within us, to dwell within us, to, to make us holy, as we talked about last week, and to send us out in mission, to empower us for the work that he calls us to do, to guide us, to lead us into those difficult conversations, into those places that we might not otherwise go, because someone there is crying out to God, and God has heard, and God has come down, and now he's sending us. He's going with us. He is with us always, even to the end of the age. In, in Acts chapter 1, uh, Luke records these last words of Jesus differently. He says, uh, he's encouraged them to stay there in Jerusalem and says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Um, he says, you're just going to tell people about me. You're just going to be my witnesses. Um, you don't have to be, we've talked about this before. I love that image of us being witnesses because it takes so much of the pressure off. It's like, all I got to do is tell the truth. All I got to do is tell somebody like, Oh, well, yeah, let me tell you about what God's done for me. Let me tell you about the, the, 
the strength that God has provided. Let me tell you about how he's comforted me in the midst of this. Let me, let me tell you what God has done. Uh, just like you're going to, you know, recommend a restaurant or recommend a movie uh, or give five stars to, you know, whatever it was, you, being his witness is like, yep, you're giving God five stars. You know, you're, you're highly recommending that people should like, you know, you should look into this God. You know, he's, he's amazing. His love is transforming my life. We don't have to make the case necessarily, you know, we're not his prosecuting attorney. Uh, we're, we don't have to defend him against every uh, accusation or whatever. Um, I'm thinking about Mitch over here, you know, uh, defense attorney, and uh, does that well. And we don't have to be the judge, running for judge. Uh, hopefully next year we'll be the judge here in town. But, um, or this, I guess November, right? November is when we've got to pay attention. All right, and, and remember to go vote. Um, we don't have to do that. God gets to be the judge, right? I don't have to judge anybody. He's called me to be his witness. And he's going to send us wherever he sends us, right? They said there, you know, here in Jerusalem, that's the the capital city, in Judea, which is like the region around it, and Samaria, the the region next door, and to the ends of the earth. It'd be like us saying, it'd be like him saying to you today, you know, you're going to be my witnesses here in Valparaiso, and in Indiana, and in Illinois, and to the ends of the earth, right? I made Illinois the Samaritans in this story, just in case you weren't. Anyway, um, sorry. Was that wrong? Was that wrong? Okay. The Samaritan, the good Samaritan was the one who showed us what love is like and what it means to be, love our neighbors. Okay. Um, you know, he's sending us. Wherever, wherever we go, you are sent. Um, wherever you go, you've been sent there by God, and God goes with you. Now, again, things are kind of mixed up right now. Um, you know, it's summertime, and so students are normally out, but fall, hopefully, students are going to be going back to school. But if you go, if you do summer sports programs or whatever it is that you might happen to do, if those of you, when you go to work, when you go to your home, when you go to your neighborhood, uh, wherever it is that you go, you are not just stumbling along. You have been sent there. I want you to picture yourself that way. I want, to, I want you to picture that God has you as his child, and he is sending you to that place, sending you to those people. So that you can show them his grace. So you can show them his love. Some of the people that you interact with, again, none of us are interacting with people a lot these days, uh, or not as much as normal anyway. And, uh, but when you interact with those folks, you have been sent there by God on a mission from God. You can wear the sunglasses if you want to. Uh, you're on a mission from God to show them his grace, to show them his love, to, to reflect God to them. Because you know some of those people you interact with have a messed up view of God. They think God is the the big party pooper in the sky who just wants to spoil their fun. Or they think of God as this angry judge uh, who's just out to get them. Uh, Or they think God is like this absentee parent who doesn't really care and doesn't listen. And you are there, you are sent there by God to help them see a different picture of God. To display by your actions and when you have a chance, by your words, to tell people about the God that you know. God who's made a difference in your life, the God whose love you have experienced, which is changing you. You get to be his witness. There's lots of other images used in scripture. We, uh, Paul in 2 Corinthians talks about being his ambassadors. Uh, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, talks about how we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So this is, he's done this for you. Uh, he's purchased you as his own. He's, he's made you a people, you know, gathered us from all the different places that we were and made us into his people so that we can declare his praises. 
So we can say, man, God has done this amazing thing for me. Called me out of darkness into his wonderful light. As Ephesians chapter 2 says it, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. That's important for us to remember. Because the minute we think that we can boast about it, the minute we think we have done something to deserve God's grace, that's the time that we start looking at other people and thinking, yeah, and they don't. You know, they don't, they, they deserve what's coming to them. You know, they're, they're criminals or they're whatever. They've done something that they, they deserve what they're getting. No. This is not a reward for the good things we've done. None of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God has work for us to do. And as God is going into the world, responding to the cries of hurting people, as God is going into the world, working to make things right, he is sending us. He goes with us. I'm going to close with these words that Jesus uh, said in Luke chapter 4. Um, it was one of his first sermons, I guess. The time he, was, he was there in the synagogue and he was invited to, to, to grab the scroll. He was in his uh, boyhood home. He was in Nazareth. And uh, it says he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath, stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah, the prophet, was handed to him. Isaiah, who had that encounter with the holy God and who was sent to his people as a messenger. And he, he finds the place in Isaiah chapter 61 where this was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. This is what God, what God sent Jesus to do. This is how Jesus saw himself as fulfilling this promise that God had made long ago. Saying, the Holy Spirit of the Lord is with me. He has sent me to do good to those who need good. To bring good news to the poor. Proclaim that captives will be released. That the blind will see oppressed set free. That the time of the Lord's favor has come. This is a time when, man, there are people that need to know that God loves them. There are people that need to know that God is with them, that God has not forgotten them, that they are not alone in the midst of this pandemic, um, that you care about them. I got invited um, this past week, Thursday night, there was an interfaith uh, vigil for Black Lives Lost uh, held downtown at the courthouse. And... Um, uh, I got invited. The, I knew the organizers, and, and um, somebody asked me, you know, like another pastor who was involved said, hey, you coming? I said, well, yeah, I'll be there. And then I found out about an hour or two before it started, I got a message from one of the organizers saying, oh, here's a list of the people that are going to speak, and my name was on it. I was like, oh, okay, I get to, I get to say something. All right. Fortunately, I was near the end, so I didn't have to, like I had some time to think and to come up with something. And, and, um, and one of the earlier speakers mentioned the story of Cain and Abel, and that got me thinking, and I was looking on my phone at the story of Cain and Abel in Genesis chapter 4 and, and seeing this question, you know, Cain asks of God after he'd murdered his brother, you know, am I my brother's keeper? And, and it was just resonating in my heart, like, yeah, I am my brother's keeper. I mean, the, the answer to that question is yes. We have a responsibility to each other. God has, if we are sent, if, if Jesus is sending us as the Father sent him, well, Jesus was sent to, to bind up the brokenhearted, to to tell the oppressed that they're being set free, that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And we have a responsibility to go to people that we might not ordinarily rub shoulders with and tell them, look, God cares about you. I am with you. 
you are not alone in this. There were a couple of black pastors at that uh, event, uh, and I think all the rest of us. Well, and then there was a Muslim imam and a Jewish rabbi, too. But, uh, the vast majority of us gathered then that day were lily white, and, um, uh, because it's held here in Valparaiso. Um, but these uh, two black pastors, one of them spoke at the end, and, uh, and she said, like, this is amazing to me. She said, this, this feels like you're here for me. And she was moved to tears with the realization that there were people who cared about the circumstances that she and her uh, black brothers and sisters were going through right now. And, and uh, to, to see that a whole bunch of you know, pasty white folks would come together and say, no, we care about you. Your lives matter to us. And, and as a Christian, I would say because they matter to God, because we all matter to God. And so your lives matter. And when you're mistreated, we can't just cross by on the other side of the road Hope somebody else will, will help. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you, Jesus said. The Spirit of the Lord is with us, going with us, sending us to people who need God's grace, who need God's love, who need someone to come alongside them so they know they're not alone. All right. I don't know what that's going to mean for you this week. But I'm pretty confident that for each and every one of us, if we're paying attention to the Holy Spirit's leadership, then this week we're going to have a moment where God is nudging us and where he is leading us into an opportunity to share his love and his grace. So I want to pray for us right now that when that moment comes, we'll say yes. All right? So let's pray. God, thank you for the love that you have for us. Thank you for your grace that you poured out on us. And thank you for your Holy Spirit who not only cleanses our hearts, but empowers us and sends us out to serve uh, it's intimidating, God. Just like Moses was intimidated as you sent him to, to confront Pharaoh, we are intimidated sometimes by what you send us to do. Uh, you, you call us to, to reach out, to make that phone call, to, to talk to someone, and we feel our knees knocking and we feel our anxiety level rising because we've not done that before or, or we've not uh, entered into that circumstance before. And God, I pray that you would help us this week as you lead us. You are on a mission, God to answer the cries of the oppressed. You are on a mission to bring grace to those who need grace, to bring love and healing to those who need loved, to those who need to be healed. So as you move in this world, God, and as you invite us to join you, as you send us into these circumstances, would you help us to say yes to you so that you might work through us as fumbling as we might feel, you might work through us as your kids, that we might have an opportunity to be your witness, to say good things about you, to be honest about our questions, of course, not to pretend at all, but to just be honest about what we have experienced of you and the difference you're making in our lives. Thank you, God, for including us in the work that you're doing. Thank you for choosing us to be on your team. Thank you for giving us a role to play and work to do I just pray you'd help us to, to step up to the task, to be willing to do the work by your power. Thank you, God. And I, I know, God, there may be some of us, uh, perhaps here in the room, perhaps watching right now, there might be some of us that we need to say a bigger yes to you, just to trust you in the first place. That we've kind of had this vague notion that there's a God out there, perhaps, but the idea that you love us enough to send your son Jesus for us, the idea that we can put our trust in Jesus and, and follow him and experience forgiveness of our sins. The idea that we can be made holy, <laughs> that you can change us, 
God, you know, some of us, we desperately want to change. We need uh, your grace and forgiveness to lift the guilt and the shame off of us. We need your help to, to help us to live a new way from this day forward. We long to be embraced by our Heavenly Father. So for all of us today, God, who find ourselves in that kind of a place, would you help us today to just say yes to you, to turn from sin, to turn to you. Thank you, God, that you don't expect us to clean up our act first. You invite us just to come to you just as we are, to experience this grace that is beyond words, to experience this love that we can't comprehend, to find our sins forgiven, our slate washed clean, to experience this new life that is so dramatic that it can be, it can be described as being born again. Thank you, God, for the fresh start that you give us, that right now some of us can be saying yes to you and experiencing your grace and your forgiveness. Thank you, God. For those who are saying that, God, I pray that you would help us to come alongside them to help our, our baby brothers and sisters begin to, begin to crawl, begin to walk, begin to run in this new life, following you, following your Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, that others have done that for us. Thank you that others said yes to you as, as you sent them out, and, and they encountered us, gave us a chance to say yes to you. So would you help us, God? Thank you. Thank you that when we were stuck in our sin, you didn't keep your distance, but you came to us in Jesus Christ. We thank you for the opportunity to celebrate that today in the celebration of Holy Communion. God, we offer to you these gifts of bread and juice, just like we offer you ourselves and our lives, our bodies. God, we pray that by the transforming work of your Holy Spirit, that we might meet our risen Savior in his body and in his blood, that we might live in this world as the body of Christ, given for others so that your love and your grace can spill out of us. Thank you, God. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Now, we're doing communion a little bit differently today. And uh, actually, you know what? You guys don't have to come up and play yet. You can celebrate communion first, and then we can come up and play. How does that sound? All right. I, I should have said that to you earlier. I forgot. Sorry. Um, so here in the room, you guys have uh, either on your tables or under your chairs these little, uh, little cups uh, to avoid spreading germs. We thought, well, we're not going to have people come up and, and receive. So uh, there's a tiny little thin plastic one you can pull up first. I have a hard time getting it. That then exposes the, the little piece of bread. And then you can pull up the, the big one to get the juice. And uh, I fumbled mine. I, I tried one this morning just to make sure I could do it. And I'm like, oh, man, this is not easy. Um, if you wreck one, there's more, so you can grab a different one. Um, when Jesus gathered with his disciples uh, to celebrate that Passover meal with them, uh, he took the bread, <laughs> nothing like this, but because uh, they were seated at a meal. He took bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them. He said, take this and eat it. This is my body broken for you. Have you managed to get to the bread? All right, go ahead, take and eat.
After supper, he took the cup, and he passed it to his disciples, and he said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood, the new covenant. This seals the new agreement between God and humanity. Did you make it to the juice? All right, let's take, let's drink. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for giving us your life today. That today we can experience your grace and your love, the, the fullness of your Holy Spirit. God, we give you thanks that in your love you actually came to us in a, in a tangible, touchable way. As we were reminded with this, this bread and this juice today. So fill us, we pray, with your Holy Spirit that we might faithfully live in this world as the body of Christ, your hands and feet. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, God. Thank you once again for involving us in the work that you are doing as you go to extend your love and your grace to people who so desperately need it. Thank you that we get to be a part of that work. Would you help us to experience that joy, God, of being used by you, of cooperating with your Holy Spirit to take your love, your grace to a world that desperately needs it. We're grateful, God, and we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.